All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 137. For the second time this week, we're chatting Oilers. We had the emergency clinch miss episode a couple of days ago. It was lovely. If you haven't checked that one out, be sure to get that in your ear holes. Be sure to get that one in you. It was a fun one. But today, we got plenty more to talk about as the Edmonton Oilers wind their way down to the season. Four more games left, boys. Four more games. As always, we start off the podcast by thanking our friends at Sherwood Ford, the giant out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. Check them out on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giants. Again, Sherwood Ford. Dave, if you're listening, four Broncos. Four Broncos. Imagine the convoy we could do around the Hen Day with four Broncos that are decked out in Nation and Sherwood Ford, decals and attire. It'd be a hell of a sight, in my opinion. Hell of a sight. However, in the meantime, if you need something with your vehicle, your current one, oil, oil change, service, whatever, they're there to help. Sherwood Ford out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. Again, at Sherwood Ford on Twitter, at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant on Instagram. Mr. Uremchuk, what do you have for us this week for the Sherwood Ford giant question of the week? An interesting little topic here. Uh, The Sherwood Ford giant question this week. Let's say there was an award and it was called the Edmonton Oilers Comeback Player of the Year Award. And you had a ballot. Who would be number one on that ballot? Who is the Edmonton Oilers comeback player of the year? Mm. Who wants to start? Anybody got a take, boys? Rick, we, I think we need to cede the floor to you, my friend. Well, I, I, I thought this was in the text there. It was between one of two players, was it not? 
Well, that's what it, I thought. Well, in all like in all likelihood, it's between Smith and Pooley If you want to make a case for a third player, go right ahead. But I don't see why you how how you could. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think as much as everybody expects me to say one name, I'm going to tell you the other one. It it is Mike Smith. We do have uh, at the end of the day, we have a bunch of players who could you know you can move Yam up a spot. And then you have a bunch of other guys you can plug in at right wing, like we've been doing for the last four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever it's been. Um, but we haven't been able to find a goaltender to make that next save, to make that one save that doesn't uh, kind of sink <laughs> or the even team a mentally. Save. Or hey. a save, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but you know what he's done this year? He's been able to keep the puck out of the net and keep the spirits high. Um, as we've seen before and seen last night, uh, it can be a quite a quick snowball effect um, when one or two bad ones go in. So he's been able to, to uh, counteract that. So I think he's been the most important piece uh, so far this year. I'll jump into, I agree with Rick. It's Mike Smith. I mean, after think back to August when the Oilers were in the bubble in the play in round against Chicago, Mike Smith got what 30 minutes in game one. And that was it. And then from there, I know for myself and a lot of Oilers fans, he was just done. That was done. The Mike Smith timeline was over time to move forward. And then even just listen back to our free agency podcast in October, when the Oilers re-signed Mike Smith as their backup option. And we were all like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? And then to see what he's done from the time he came back from the early injury until now, it's how can it not be Mike Smith that gets the comeback? Not only has he played incredibly well, I've said it a bunch of times. He's given off rolly vibes all over the place. He has also won the fan base back. That can be very, very hard on, on players when they don't play well, especially goalies. So to me, the only answer is Mike Smith. Dan. Well, you know, I mean, you can't, it's hard to argue with Mike Smith, but I'm going to try. And I think it's going to go to a player. It's going to go to a player that, you know, last year he had a pretty good season, an okay season. Um, you know, we played a total of, what, 65 games. He had 97 points. But this year he's come back and somehow he's even better. And through 52 games, he's now got 96 points on the season. And he's only got the sky is the limit. If you, if you told me last year that McDavid was going to be better than he's been in the last few seasons – I would have been shocked. It's still Mike Smith. That's the correct answer. But man, oh man, is it hard not to include Connor McDavid in some of these conversations too, because he's even better than what we thought he was. But what did he come back from? From a 97 point season to now have a 96 point season with four games left. Okay. I'm not going to buy that. Um, Answered. To be like fair, said, to be fair, Mike. But it's to be fair though, Mike Smith only came one. back from Mike Smith only came back from a bad year. So I guess at the, at the end of the day, the and, only real and, answer is Puliyarvi coming back from the surgery. Then ding, 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 ding. Rick nails it. the The answer, like Mike Smith, is an answer. He's a good answer. I, I understand it. But Yeso Puliyarvi, like you're right, Mike Smith came back from a bad year. That's what he came back from. Yeso Puliyarvi came back from being sent away, not wanting to do to have anything to do with the organization. At one point, I'm sure Peter Shirelli would have traded him for a second round pick if he would have gotten it. Like he was a castaway, and now he's come back. Literally, was not even in the NHL last season. He has come back and become an integral part of this team's top six. And five months ago, I would have said. He's probably cracking bait. He's going to be gone in the expansion draft. And now I'm sitting there going, 
lock him up. Like when, when can we get him an extension? That's it's how important his, he is. It's I also his birthday today. It happy is happy birthday, birthday. Jesse. But like, I understand that Mike Smith has been the more important of the two, but if we're looking at this purely Come from like back. a comeback player perspective, I think it's yes. Yeah. Okay. I give that. I, I would say too, for Mike Smith, he hasn't, it, since the start of 2020, he hasn't really been that bad. He just had a bad bubble period. Like you, like you said, bag milk. So everybody yeah, did, I guess. Yep. Exactly. He wasn't, was he wasn't trash. alone in that. Uh, the 100%. whole team was trash. So, so yeah, is, is he really a true defined bounce back player? Maybe not, but Tyler makes some good points there. Making that a button. <laughs> <laughs> If you have watched the Oilers all season long and you've got an answer that's different from everybody's, I want to know who you're ta- who you're looking at specifically. Yeah. Is it Mike Smith? Is it Pooley Are you going with a guy like Connor who's blowing everyone away despite, you know, comeback season? I don't know, but I, I, I buy Dan's argument a little bit. Um, anybody else even just come to mind that's had a decent comeback year that we can include in the conversation? Well, Darnell Nurse for sure. <laughs> I, I think that he's taking that extra step, but again, is it a, is it a comeback or is no. it just taking that extra it's step a, forward? It's a breakthrough maybe, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. It's not a comeback. I can't think of any... this award for each team. It's like the Masterson. You can nominate any one of your players as like the, the kind one, of hero of the year. It, it's yes. more of like a persevering and showing dedication to hockey, which Mike Smith, if we're talking about that, Mike Smith probably is going to be the Masterton nominee. But again, I think Pugliarvi is a close one there. What about, yeah. I'm just going through the roster here, boys. Tell me yay or nay. What about a guy like Tyson Berry had a rough year in Toronto Ooh, by his own yeah. personal standards. You know, he was basically run out of the six after yep. everybody expected more from him, he come into Edmonton now eight goals, 37 assists, 45 points, 52 games. What about Tyson Berry? That's yeah, a, I didn't even think about that. That's a good one. Fantastic it's a, it's a, back season, but still not yep. a comeback. All right. Quote All right. unquote. Well, but I see, but I think that for a guy in Barry, you know, who we would all have expected. If you just said you looked at Tyson Berry in Colorado, you would expect that his time in Toronto would have gone just as well, if not better. And it went real poor. So I think it's a, I think it's an absolute bounce back, comeback kind of, kind of season well, no, where he's now going to get paid. The comeback thing is when you weren't there before you were, Oh, because of an injury, Alex Smith, after he broke his leg and had 37,000 surgeries on his leg came he had a comeback wow. season that's what the comeback that's what the quote-unquote um award is for not just a well, bad season not just a letdown season but you had you were forced out you had an injury you went through something adversity um, what mr um i can't remember his name in philadelphia the oscar limblom yeah limblom um yeah Brian these guys Boyle. had actual yeah. comebacks yeah i guess it's it, it gets it comes down to which is most of the case with most of these personal awards is the definition of what you believe a comeback or a bounce back is just like an MVP, just like a defensive player, just like a defenseman, you know, like all those, all those awards have that debate that surrounds them because, you know, is Mike green, the best defenseman in the league? He's certainly the best offensive defenseman in the league. The year that he wins the Norris trophy, did he belong in there now? No. (laughs) I was thinking I was talking about right now. After he retired, he deserves a Norris trophy. What about a guy like Adam Larson? 
Adam Larson, I mean, he's never going to be a points-scoring defenseman like Barry. Three goals, six assists, nine points this year in 52 games. But I would argue this has probably been the best stretch of hockey Adam Larson has played with the Oilers. Yeah, he's playing his position. He's playing his position as well as Barry's playing his position. But I think what's good about him is that he hasn't had the back injuries that he had uh, all that were bugging him last year. That's what's keeping him healthy, physical, and uh, and just in the lineup per se. I like that take from Rick. Can I say that quickly? The Larson's playing his position as well as Barry's playing his position, even though they're technically the same position, but everyone knows they're not the same position. That's a, I, I, and I agree with it too. I think Larson from a shutdown perspective has had a fantastic season. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And outside of, and outside of his injury issues, I think that the difference is, is that Larson has always been that consistent guy that you can count on until he gets banged up and then he's pretty useless to you. So yeah, I, I, well, he's also, he also needs uh, uh, support around him, and we have yep. six actual NHL defensemen playing around him too, which makes his job a lot easier. He's got a defense partner who he's able to lean on. You know, he's got other guys behind him and in front of him that they're able to work with. So um, it's just the whole team is playing better though. All, all six of those defensemen are. Mm. This is, Oh, keep going. No, I'm just looking through the rest of the roster. I can't really find anyone else that may qualify in this kind of comeback. Unless you want to do a reverse comeback, in which case, Zach Cassian, you get my vote, Bo. Bro, two <laughs> goals, three assists, five points in 27 games. That ain't it. And injured for most it. of the season. Jeez. That ain't it. Uh, just on the topic there of Larson, is this the best blue line we've seen the Oilers have since 06? Yes. Yes, there's no way there's this defense mm. will get you in the yeah, there's no there's no chance we had six better defensemen. I guess what I'm we trying to think of like what did we walk into with we had Nikita Nikitin on this team, you guys. Come what on now. We, that year was who, a hell of a year. Huh. Who were the six starters when we went into the playoffs in seventeen? So you had uh, Nurse Sekra, Nurse, Clefbaum. Sekra, Clefbaum, Nurse, Larson. In 2017, yeah, so Nurse has gotten better. Larson's gotten better. We brought in Barry, who is probably better than anybody on. there. Um, Sekera for Bear. Yeah, I, Reg is probably a little bit better, but I mean, um, I think everyone here is going to agree that Bear can probably beat him in terms of uh, career ceilings. So I, I would right say now? this is. Yeah, I think this is. Uh, I agree. This is a better one, and yeah, then obviously before 17, we've never had a six. Like you have to go back to six right away. Like I mean, you I'm just looking don't, at, don't even uh, consider it. I'm looking at 2009. There was also a decent defensive group there. Uh, at least the top four, anyway. You had Sheldon Surrey, Tom Gilbert, Lubomir Vishnovsky, and Laddie Schmid. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not that's not horrible. No, but, but what that's, is, that's what are the next two? Surrey, that's Surrey with the Oilers, not Surrey with the Canadians, right? He was never that was Surrey. that was Surrey's 27 goal season. Oh, that's not nice. bad. Like Surrey wasn't bad. And, and I was right there with you, Rick. I, I always thought of Surrey with the Oilers as being hot garbage, but he wasn't that hot bad. garbage, but, but he wasn't what he was in Montreal. Sorry. 23. But bag milk. What are the, what are the other two guys on that? In uh, the, there's there? a handful. Jim Vandermeer? So, uh, Teddy Peckman was in there. Ooh, Teddy. Yeah. Uh, let me see. I got off that. Screen and that's where the bottom falls out. Yeah. So that's oh. a Taylor Chorney. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, Oh, Struds. How dare you guys? Oh, Struds he's a forward for part of that year. Though. How dare you Struds 71 games with the Oilers? That is a fine defenseman right there. He trailblazed for Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> but I, I would tend to believe, I would tend to think that you guys are right. The, the, the defensive group is, is, and 
I'm not by no means perfect. You know, there's some yeah. still some young guys that need more at bats, but uh, you can only get those by playing. So I, I would tend to agree. And even in 2017, like we had a couple injuries and then it was like, here comes Griffin Reinhardt, baby. And he's hopping over the boards in a playoff game. Whereas this year, if the Oilers were to suffer two injuries, it's Russell slotting in on one side and Bouchard on the other. Like they have eight NHL defensemen, you could argue. They have nine NHL defensemen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, now I'm trying to think about the Griffin Reinhardt thing because I actually just purely coincidental. I was at the game that he played in the playoffs. Um, yeah. The Oilers don't have that this year. Cause who do they have? Bush is there. He's an extra at this point. We're going to talk about him a little bit more coming up. Cuckoo will be back. Russell, uh, Russell will be back or he's available. I should say. So Broberg's yeah, I mean, here. The, the Broberg some, is available. He's here. Next, well, he's Griffin Reinhardt. He's shot, way down yeah. the list. He's way down he's the list. Fair, but, but, yeah. but he's ready. He's, Crazy. you know, Philip Broberg, if this was a normal year, he is Mark Fane dancing at the pint after the game. That's what he is. <laughs> there you go. And I got nothing wrong with that, but uh, I would tend to agree. So if you are listening to this right now, first of all, I got two questions for you. One, who's your bounce back player? I want to know. Two, let's talk defense. Is this the best defensive group the Oilers have had in a while? I would tend to say yes. I would tend to say yes. But you, fair listeners, I want to know what you think. I also want to encourage you to head over to skipthedishes.ca, get yourself something to eat this weekend. Thousands of local restaurants available, all different kinds of cuisines. Maybe, Tyler, this is the weekend you try something new. Maybe some sushi to the Castle Urem check. That'd be nice. Not likely, but never say never, I suppose. Chicken fingies. Didn't sound very open-minded. Don't be tired. Didn't sound very open-minded. Be open-minded about different restaurants and try out new spots on skipthedishes.ca. Get yourself something to eat. All right, boys. Well, we might as well jump into the topic of the day, seeing as everybody's talking about it. Last night, the Edmonton Oilers had a chance to clinch home ice advantage. It did not go well (laughs) because... Understated. Because... I would argue it is very, very difficult to win games at the NHL level when your goaltender allows four goals on the first four shots of the game. Now, after the third one went in, I tweeted, I said, if he lets in another one on the next shot, I will fucking die. And when it went in, (laughs) I cackled so loud in my house. I was howling laughing because it was just, obviously it's annoying because I'm an Oilers fan and I want them to win. However, I have never seen anything like that in my life in all my life of watching hockey. And I've got the dates on when this did happen before, but I've never seen anything close to close to that at any level. It was just when it rains, it pours for Miko. And I just kind of want to get started with everybody. What was your first thoughts? First shot goal. Okay, fine. We've been through it. No problem. That's we've, we've seen this movie before (laughs) two shots, two goals. Okay. Okay. Getting weird now. Three shots, three goals. Get the fuck out of here. Four. Come on, Rick. What were you thinking? What was your first thoughts last night? Uh, I think there was some PTSD get, like, that that kicked in. Like it was just like <laughs> a little a little feeling in the in the pit of your stomach. And it was. I know we technically haven't been exactly there, but we've been there before. I know that we know that. I went to a game against San Jose once. Man, we were down six nothing in the first period. Yep. Um, same, same, but yeah, different, as they say. Yeah, like it was. It was a very deja vu. Like I've been here before. This is different, but no, I know exactly what's going on right now. And uh, yeah, you just start drinking a little bit faster. 
Tyler, a your certain- thoughts, four goals, four shots. I went through like a range of emotions. The first one goes in and you're like, ah, damn it. Like, come on, Miko, stop doing that. Second one goes in and you're like, okay, what the fuck is going on here, Miko? Like, get it together. Then he gives up the third one and I started to like develop the soft spot where I'm like, oh, poor Miko. Like, I like the guy. He's trying hard and it's like, damn it, he's going to get caved for this after he had like a month, two months of like really, really good hockey. He's like a 930 save percentage in his last 10 games. Then the fourth one goes in the way it does. And you're just like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad on Twitter. And like you knew the columnists were going to be out in full force and all of that stuff was going to be said. And you feel bad for Miko because he's playing such good hockey. And then like even to break the (laughs) stick when he doesn't do it the first time, like my heart hurt for Miko Koskinen. It was just like, you deserve better. My, my big finish Prince, you do, but it just sucks. It wasn't your night. We're going to get to that in a second. Cause I agree with you. He does deserve better, especially considering how he's played over the last few months. Dan, your first thoughts when you see four goals on four shots. Okay. Well, first of all, the stick breaking thing, he was saving his defenseman from taking the shrapnel in his leg. I feel like that first, that first hesitant shot, he stopped because he was going to probably do what I can't remember. It was a Florida Keith Ballard goalie or oh, Keith yeah. Ballard. Yeah. That did Keith Ballard, goalie, yeah. Right. Get frustrated. You smoke your goalie. He would have done the reverse to a defenseman. So yeah, I, that's the first thing there. Second thing is like Tyler said, after that third goal, you're what is Tippett doing? Why is Tippett just like, you know what kid burn? I want you to just burn. No, he said right it. there the first two goals uh, because the first two goals were, were giveaways. You don't blame breakdowns, yeah. But again, it, it, like, and I guess, I sure, guess but you don't, but other, you don't hang your, you don't, is, you don't, you don't hang your goalie out. I mean, at the at the very least, at the end of the third goal, he's like, okay, we'll get him out at the end of the first here. Um, yeah, if that's maybe. what you're gonna do, but nobody wants to get pulled during action. I, so I've I'm got sure. uh, I've got the quote here just while we're talking about Tippett. He says the first one was poor coverage. The second one was a poor turnover. The third and fourth ones were poor, but we should have had a safe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure after the third one, Dave Tippett is sitting there thinking what a lot of people are thinking is, all right, there's no chance he gives up the next one. He's got it. <laughs> He'll have the next one. Statistics show he should stop the next shot. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And this is and this is the issue with having a, having a, a 39-year-old workhorse in Mike Smith because maybe you don't want to put him in again and again and again, right? And that, and that makes sense. And that's what Miko Koskinen is. That's what your backup is, is the person that, that comes in in a shelling and stays in in a shelling. So I get that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's hilarious to me, like Tyler said, in the, with the columnists, with Twitter, we're just throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. And Miko Koskinen, those three, four starts that you had previously where you did really well, <laughs> screw those because you let in four shots on four or four goals on four shots. And so that's where we're going to, that's where we're going to hang your entire NHL career on. 85% of the shit that's said on Twitter is, is, is <laughs> out to nonsense. lunch and overrated. Anyway, like it's, I've watched so much belly aching in the last three or four days from the Tom Wilson thing to right now. It's been absolutely, it's mind boggling. It was one of those things where the snow, you couldn't stop the snowball from rolling and (laughs) one, then two, then three. And you're just like, Oh no, this is, it's going to go in, isn't it? And when it did, it's just here, here comes the stick break. And then that turned into a thing where people are like talking about (laughs) how he broke the stick. And it was just like, okay, okay. Like Miko has had enough, a tough time already. 
we don't need to pile on too, too much because you can just imagine what's going on in his head. The, on Sportsnet, I don't know which director or producer made this happen, but it also made me laugh. And again, I feel bad. I don't mean to pile on, but they had a camera view that was in tight on Miko Koskinen's face as he was sitting there on the bench and he's just dead staring off into somewhere. Like he is, he was looking off into, into he was, that was, he, he was, was trying he was doing to a deep out. dive into Lake Miko. He really was. He was just kind of really trying to figure out what happened there. Because let's be honest, this is a record that is probably going to stand for a while and one that no goaltender ever wants to have their name attached to. So the thing that surprised me, though, is last night I tweeted it. This has to be an NHL record. There's no way it wasn't. However, what we learned as the night progressed, March 27th, 1979, Dan Bouchard allowed four goals on four shots. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was with the Flames. November 24th, 1989. So that was the most recent before last night. Mike Ridley allowed four goals on four shots with the Capitals. So this has happened before. I mean, not really all that common, but it has happened before. <laughs> so he, he, got a, he got a couple text messages last night uh, from a couple of people that were like, hey, man, <laughs> been there, don't worry, blah, blah, blah. I wonder what the approach is. What, like, I'm obviously this is speculatory. We have no idea. We're not in the room or whatever. What do you think the approach is with the boys? Do you think they bust his balls a little bit? Do you think they just kind of like, oh, give it Nico, a couple, it's cool. Give it a couple, give it a couple days. Maybe you got, I think you have to let that one rest for a minute. You just got to let it rest. You can't just Yeah. Like, Cause I don't even think the boys last night could have like cracked a joke about it. It would have been a little too, uh, maybe a little too just, harsh. Just like, you Hey, Nico, the catch, the, catch the hockey yeah. tape or whatever. And he's fucking <laughs> Nico, do, you think, do you think you would have got the fifth one? Yeah, I, I remember in my last year of midget hockey, we were playing in a tournament out of town and our goalie had a pretty rough game. He gave up like six goals, but we won seven, six or whatever. Like we just scored enough to totally nah, you can out. have a little and, fun with it. And in the hotel room after we're all just sitting there and we were all 18 are having a beer. And my dad walked in and he had a rice crispy square in his hand. He threw it at our goalie. His name's Eric. And he caught it. My dad goes, Oh fuck you. Stop that one. Hey, eh? <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, <laughs> you can get away with it after a victory, yeah. but I think after a loss, they're probably a little it, more sour. Jack brought this up in the broadcast. If the Oilers would have scored one more, Miko wouldn't have gotten tagged with the loss. Oh, could you imagine? That would have just been so insulting to Mike four Smith. And, uh, <laughs> four and four and not get all, an L out of it. Well, because even the thing baseball. like... Yeah. yeah, it's just incredible that that could happen. Another thing, too, that was interesting is I got to give Mike Smith some more credit because he came in in relief in what was that's an impossible situation. It's how do you come into there and you just try your best to stop the bleeding? And then he comes and he gets an assist. And then the piling on Miko comes on again because Mike Smith had more fucking points last night than Miko had saves. It was just <laughs> one of those ones where what do you do? So that's my question now. What do you do? Gregor has an article up right now on OilersNation.com saying he would just put Koskinen back in. Don't worry about Staylock. Staylock hasn't played in nine months. Forget about it. Get Koskinen back in there. Let him erase the night. Chances are, I would feel confident that he would perform well. You know he would be pissed off. You know he would be motivated. I wonder if the Oilers go right back to him tomorrow, which is Saturday. Uh, no, I'm fairly certain they already announced that Smith's playing tomorrow. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I think I was just uh, flipping through the screen there and I saw that. I, I'm not, yeah, I, I guess we'll double check that. Um, but I, I would read. 
Yeah, I personally would go back to Miko Koskinen. Like, I just think, yeah, Staylock's a non-starter. I don't give a crap if Staylock plays this year. I know for a while there, I was kind of like, yeah, give him a look. What's the worst thing that could happen? But no, you need Mike Smith playing well, and you also are going to need Miko Koskinen to be somewhat <laughs> confident if you go to him. And if you just sit there and throw Koskinen on the shelf for the remainder of the regular season, like, you're just putting yourself in a position where if he does come in for the playoffs, might not be the best mental state for a guy who kind of controls your playoff fate at that point. So I would go right back to Miko on Saturday and just cross my fingers. He stops the first buck. All right. Can't, so you, give, was, can't, you, can't you give uh, uh stay lock one game, like give nah. Mike one game off, like no skates on, you know, sit in the hot tub, whatever, hang out and, and watch. Like we're just going to be, don't you kind of sort of need to know what you exactly you have in stay lock. What happens if he goes if, out and like, wins the Vesna last year and you know we get like I just feel like you kind of want to know and I get their games that mean nothing their games that mean nothing it's only one off for Mike and I still want to go with Koskinen because I still agree with you need to get the the confidence back there and <laughs> let's hope he makes the first couple of saves there but I think well, you still anything- to want to know what you have in Staylock and if anything, you're giving Mike Smith a night off completely, which is I think more important than everything. Does he want it? I, well, I don't know if he wants. I think it, that'd be a thirty nine year old body needs it, deserves well, it. Well, he he no, he's going to be in charge of that. But I mean, you got to sit down and go, hey, let, I, we need to know exactly what we have here. Um, I guess if it's just one one game though, then that's a pretty small sample size. So I guess I can see why why yeah. they're just going to roll with this. So I, Rick was correct. Reed Wilkins yeah. confirming friend of the nation, friend of everybody. Reed Wilkins says Dave Tippett says they'll stick with the goalie plan, and Smith starts tomorrow. Adds goaltending hasn't been a problem for this this team. Koskinen had a tough night last night, to put it lightly. Sure. Moving on from there. Uh, Tippett also said Kulikov got banged up last night, maintenance day today. We'll see where he's at tomorrow. So we'll get to Kulikov in a second as well. But okay. So if we're looking at the schedule, well, let's play Vancouver tomorrow, which is Saturday. Then they have two games against Montreal and then they finish off the regular season against Vancouver again, next Saturday. So Saturday against Vancouver, Monday, Wednesday against Montreal, Saturday against Vancouver. You'd have to imagine that Koskinen will at least get one of those. Yeah, I'd give him yeah. I'd give him two, if not three. Two. Dave Tippett did- talked about how players don't want days off anymore. They don't want rest. They want to stay in a rhythm. So I think you start Mike Smith Saturday, and like if you don't start him the last game of the regular season, you're at a point where you're probably giving him seven days without a game. Do you want that? Probably not. Is that what they have they announced? Like, what are we looking at? Because normally the, the season ends on a Saturday. Or, yeah, it usually ends on a Saturday night and we get going Wednesday. Yeah. That's, so, that's the normal way. But are, they, are we going to have that much break this year? So the Oilers' last game is on the 15th, May 15th against Vancouver. What day is but, that? Saturday, Saturday, right? Saturday. Yep. Yeah. But Vancouver has to play Calgary on the 16th, 18th, and 19th. So those games... <laughs> Those games why? mean nothing. <laughs> Can't why? you see them? Can't you see them playing those at like three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that, and uh, just doing like a, a triple header? That's what I see. I see these being like those one o'clock in the afternoon games. Here, watch this. What about you know while the while the playoff games are are you know in, in at at normal times? There's no way they start. They push everything back for those three nothing games. I so, see those being early in the day games. That's an interesting idea. Maybe on Wednesday, the 19th, you can play Calgary, Vancouver at like yeah, one o'clock because yeah. it's in Calgary. So play it at yeah, like two o'clock mountain time and get it out of the yeah. way and start the playoffs that night. 
Uh, But like, you can't take away that day off. Otherwise Vancouver would be playing four games in a row. So I just, (laughs) why not? I wish they would just wipe them off and start the playoffs on the 17th when like, or the 18th, when I think the rest of the league is starting, or maybe they're starting on the 15th, even like, it's just ridiculous. I'm the day, I'm the day game guy. You got to get those games played, play them at like fucking 11 o'clock in the morning. We don't give a shit. Get them played, put them on TV, let them watch whatever, but have them have the game, have the playoffs. That's definitely more important that it gets going at the right time and it rolls at a, at a, at a normal pace. I think it would be hilarious if the playoffs were just going and Vancouver and Calgary were still playing anyway. So neither of them are going to make it. So what is the difference? Can you imagine hilarious. like you're watching Sportsnet Central and they're like coming up tomorrow at one o'clock? You got the <laughs> Flames and Canucks battling for extra points in the draft lottery, and then at five, it's the playoffs. Like <laughs> that's that's what's going to be, man. There's like they, they you have to. I mean, yeah, maybe not spend, maybe not put that promo for the the day game, but if you're not you going to do that promo, then what are you doing? <laughs> uh, but like you know, there's always people who are like they should eliminate the draft lottery and do a tournament for the first overall pick and have those teams play think right now how little you give a shit about the canucks flames game that is why you don't do a tournament for the draft lottery because no one will freaking care man like there's the draft lottery percentage the, on the fans and the gms will care but the players aren't going to give two shits well, like yeah i think even the fans would be like tell me the results i'm not watching my team play in a draft lottery <laughs> tournament oh <laughs> I, I, what this there's is. no there's no chance we wouldn't have watched that in like oh, 2013 God. if we had like meaningful games yeah, yeah there's, Matt, we would have been yeah. all over that oh we would have had we would have had like i know it's all god for every one of them <laughs> it would have been the sadness tournament that's all that is it's just yeah like, no 100 really but, but we would have been there we probably would have held a party or two we would have you know like we, well, we threw parties for less <laughs> we did throw parties for less so why the lockout party man yeah, yeah, yeah. Lockout parties. Well, <laughs> I ran digital simulations that people showed up to during yep. the during the COVID break. Yep, it's been a fun fourteen months, hasn't it, boys? <laughs> yes. Well, no matter what happens, you need to make sure that you're watching out for yourself, and that's why our friends at Cornerstone Insurance are going to watch out for you. They have got all the insurance products that you could ever hope to have to make sure that you and your family are properly covered. For 90 years and four generations, Cornerstone Insurance has been a family and employee-owned business in Edmonton. And if you go to cornerstoneins.ca forward slash about, cornerstoneins.ca forward slash about, there is a tab there for citizens of the nation. Get yourself a little deal on some insurance from our friends at Cornerstone Insurance. So just to wrap it up really, really quickly on the Koskinen thing here, four games left. When do you think he's back? Obviously not tomorrow against Vancouver. Monday or Wednesday against Montreal? Yeah, and then maybe you can get away Monday. and just start. Yeah. You can start on Monday and Saturday. And maybe give game one against the Canadians. So that would be Monday. Like Monday game one of the Dan. playoffs against the Habs when we start a series against them? Yeah, exactly. Do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> Let's talk playoffs. They have their own battle going on there. It's pretty fun to watch. So as of Friday, May 7th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon as we're recording this, Toronto is locked into first, more or less. They need if, if they didn't clinch that last night, it won't be long before they do clinch first. Looks like the Oilers going to be settled into second. Now, where it gets interesting is three and four. Montreal and Winnipeg. Winnipeg's clinched, but they haven't clinched their spot. They have 59 points in 52 games. Montreal has 57 points in 53 games. But 
seems like Montreal has a little bit easier of a schedule. I'll pull that up before I'm not talking out of my ass. Looking at those two matchups, are we still where we were at on clinchmas day where we're, we're thinking Winnipeg or Montreal? Has anybody's opinion changed? It changed for a bit since like we last recorded, but I'm kind of now right back at the same point where you look at the Jets schedule coming up and their final four games, they get the Canucks twice and they get Ottawa once. And I know they've had a tough time with Ottawa recently, um, but those are three games there. You should in all likelihood win two of those three. They end the season against Toronto. Um, So that right there, if they can get four points out of those three games, you clinch, you get third place because I think their magic number is four points. So yeah, so, yeah I, I think Winnipeg gets done. So I did fuck up. It's Montreal's Winnipeg, like Tyler said, has the easier schedule. So Montreal's got, they've got Toronto tomorrow, which is Saturday, last game against Toronto. And then they got two against the Oilers on Monday and Wednesday. So they have three tough games to end off their schedule. So it does look like Winnipeg has got the advantage here for sliding into that third spot. So if that's the case, Oilers Jets, that's what we've all kind of been hoping for, yeah. Let's go. Just put it. Just, just put us in the fucking playoffs and give us a team to play against. Let's go. I don't give a shit. Let's just go. Well, it is interesting. I wrote that in the wrap up last night, right? We're now at a spot where these games don't mean jack shit. We're we're looking for home ice. I believe the Oilers are going to get it. They need a point, so fine. All that's really left is the McCentry, really. And for Oilers fans, we haven't really been in this spot a whole lot, if ever, over the last 15 years where you're just, I mean, we've played out the string a whole lot. Don't get me wrong, but those are just a death march into the summer. This is different. This is how you guys kind of thinking about just these last games that don't really mean a whole lot yet. You have to get through them before the playoffs. Give well, me that yeah, me, point. well, for me, it's like, like last night, you know, we're getting shelled by the Canucks. But at the end of the day, we're already in the playoffs. We're basically squared into the second place. So who cares, right? And, and then, yeah, it is just the mixed entry. Get excited about that. Be happy about that. And then it's just those subtle little things that we got to figure out with the lineup, the versatility within it. And uh, and I still want to see Staylock get one game myself. But but other than that, yeah, it's just waiting for the minutia to kind of figure itself out. And and you're seeing a, gay, a guy like uh, Ryan McLeod you know, showing his stuff and, and showing where he can fit into the lineup. And, and a guy like Yamamoto needs to get off that side and hopefully he can find that way in the next couple of games. So yeah, it's uh, there's just, there's just little bits of things to worry about, but these are, these are super casual games. And then we get to the real time. Uh, looking at the schedule or uh, not schedule, sorry, it's the standings. I, I gotta say, I find it pretty funny that Calgary and Ottawa are tied in points. I know Ottawa's played an extra couple of games here, but I'm seeing two teams with 47 points. Now, I know we're all Oilers fans here, but let's be honest. If you're being really, really honest, could you have ever seen a scenario this season where Calgary and Ottawa were tied in the standings at the end of the year? No. No, not really. If you look around the NHL, Calgary's right up there in terms of most disappointing seasons. Like you look at Vancouver, their season hasn't gone as planned, but the injury stuff, the COVID stuff, the fact that they're a young core as well, I think gives Vancouver enough excuses to go, Hey, it was just a tough year. But you look at that flames team, you go spend how much money on Jacob Markstrom. You're already seeing flames fans tweeting about how are they going to get out from under the Markstrom deal? Like, It's gotten that bad that quickly. You've now fired your coach, hired a new coach who didn't change anything, but you're locked in for three years with that new coach. 
You got star players who were close to free agency. The core seems rotten. You showed close to no fight when you were close to being eliminated, then finally did get eliminated. It's just ugly, ugly all around. I think people well, and- overestimated them going into the season. I ah. thought they got weight. They got their tires bumped. Their defense is old. Like Geo's Geo's damn near my age. You know, Markstrom <laughs> was definitely a step up goaltending. <laughs> Wow. Right, but then I'm I'm sorry, but Goudreau and Monahan, when the chips are down, when it's when it's a tough game, they disappear. Their best player to me was Kachuk, and I think he got sidelined with with head games this year. And then after that, I don't think they have a lot of high mm-hmm. talent. I do think they have a couple of good players, but I didn't think they have that that one to twelve um, depth that they that they had three four years ago. So yeah. I didn't there, think they were gonna. I didn't think they were gonna be the same as us. But you didn't think they were gonna be this bad. Like I no, didn't think. No, 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 no. Definitely no. I would have put them in at like. I had them in the middle. I had them coming fourth when I did my. Yeah, practice. for sure. I, I like five or six, but like not if it, if it was six, it wouldn't have been close to seven. Like their point totals, you know, if they were twelve points away, I would never. Uh, that'd be no big deal to me. Yeah. I I said all I said from the start that I thought that that team was a bunch of pretenders. They went out and figured they, you know, they got their goalie, but they did not get any offensive help. Johnny Gaudreau is not an offensive leader for a team. He is a complimentary scorer at best. Um, is Dan melting or is my yeah, internet bad? Dan, no, I think, internet, I think he melted. Dan's internet is melting <laughs> down, me, so I'm going to yeah. quickly mute him. Nothing. How do I mute him? <laughs> <laughs> I mute him? Like, NHL other than the Calgary Flames, that could have Oh, now he's going go. fast. Yeah. He's I Ricky just... bobbying his way back in to catch him up here. Dan, but, you there? Well, yeah, I'm here. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, out, out and about. But yeah, for me, is there any other team in the league that's going to put their captain uh, exposed to the expansion draft other than the Calgary Flames? Like, I, you have to imagine that Giordano is going to be exposed. Uh, yeah, they have to choose basically what between him and Tanev? Yeah. And I don't think I don't think Giordano is a part of your your long term future. You know, I don't think I don't think you do that as an organization as is toss your captain out like that. I mean, we did it way back when when Kelly Buckberger went to went to um, uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. (laughs) But uh, no, not Atlanta. Where did he go? Yeah, Atlanta. He was the first. Yeah, I think he was the first captain for the for the Thrashers. So they can only protect three. They'll protect Hannafin, Anderson, and yeah, they got to choose between Tanev and Giordano. I could see them going to see. I have a funny feeling Seattle might get thrown a draft pick to take someone like Lucic. But, it's going to be a hell you, of a draft pick. Well, with, first, with, yeah. with Luch doing that, do you see other players stepping up and kind of going the same way in his position? Where they agree to wave? Yeah. I think Seattle... Here's what I'll say. I, I think Seattle obviously would be a great place to live. Like, I think that's a market that would be like exciting to go to. And no one will complain if they have to live in Seattle, just like, I mean, no one would have complained if they had to live in Vegas, but I think Vegas being as good as they were and as exciting as they were off the hop might change a lot of veteran players' minds. Like they might sit there and go, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be in all likelihood, like another sad sack expansion team that'll win eight games. Like you could actually be going to a contender. And I think that might push some more veterans. I don't think, they're going to do Vegas things, but you know, the Kraken shouldn't be dog shit. So maybe but some no, veterans but are like, like, yeah, I'm in. But Luch said he was doing it to help the flame. Yeah. So would you, you also, see I don't to, think you, have, I don't think the, yeah, the Kraken aren't taking Lucic. No, but you know, he's, willingly. He, he's willing to wave yeah. so that they don't need to protect him so they can protect a better player. 
But I also think as a veteran, you're taking that risk, right? When you're waiving your no moving clause, there is a chance you end up going. Yeah, that's fair. But I think what he's doing, though, is he's being nice to his team. Do you see other players in that same same position being the nice guy and saying, you know what? I understand I'm probably not in the top eight that you want to. Okay, so I will. I'm willing to do that. Most likely I'm not getting drafted. I get it. But this will help the team in the long run. That's what I was going to say. It's not like like Lucic, Milan Lucic, fine player, loved him here in Edmonton, hoped for more from him. But is Lucic really being that virtuoso if he's saying, hey, I'm willing to be exposed to the draft? He's just saying that nobody wants me right now, and so I'm, I'm going to not make the Flames expose one of their young guys when that's being a good teammate, right? Kevin Bieksa did this to Anaheim. It's a big reason why they lost Shea Theodore. Um, no, I, I think it is like a good thing he's doing it. Yeah. I give him a ton of credit for it. He bargained and it's in his contract that if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he doesn't have to. And maybe tree living has told him, Hey, if you, I, I won't make a deal, you won't move. You'll stay put, but he's opening himself up to the chance that Seattle goes, we want the veteran leader. We want the cap space. You've already waived. Come over. Like he's opening himself up to that. I'm not saying he does or doesn't want to go to Seattle. We don't know, but I give him credit for doing that. Cause he didn't have to. Organizations are. He, he has family that lives in Vancouver too, so you would imagine that. Yeah, oh, he'd be close That's to an home. Easy yeah. transition for him. Yeah, yeah but I'm I, just I would not like, be yeah. surprised at all to see Lucic in Seattle because you know what you can do with Lucic in Seattle. The same reason I think that James Neal could end up in Seattle. You can sell that name. You can sell yeah. that name, and even though they're not the players that they were four, five, six, seven years ago, the name still matters in the NHL. Just can you imagine? Every- can you imagine putting Neal's Neal's face on the side of a billboard? And the smile with those teeth, oh, just beaming. Like you won't, you won't even need lights in that area. Exactly. exactly. Also, like I know Seattle's a really good hockey market. The Thunderbirds do great there. Um, but you also have to imagine you're looking to attract a generation of hockey fans who maybe didn't grow up with the sport. And as barbaric as it may sound, having Milan Lucic there to run guys over and punch people's faces in and be, you know, that exciting sort of big hulking presence on the ice. I think a new organization might look at that and go, yeah, we don't mind that. Same thing with Neil. They're going to want to pick if they take Neil. Same thing with Lucic. They'll probably want a first round pick. But if you get a draft pick and you take them, you can go, hey, we're, we're taking up some of the money that we need to take up somewhere. We're getting a pick. And you can go to people and say, hey, look, we just brought in James Neal, 11-time 20-goal scorer, a guy who's done it in the NHL. Like Maybe there is that lure for a fan base or hmm. for an organization. It's going to be interesting. When is the... When is the expansion draft? June, July, July 21, I think 23 coming up. We're going to have a lot of expansion talk as we move along. I wrote an article about it the other day at OilersNation.com. You sure did. But in the meantime, I'm going to talk line combos because the Oilers put together some new line combos tonight. Tends to happen after a loss every now and then. I'm just going to run through it. Reed Wilkins, friend of the nation, Reed Wilkins. So what we got now, gentlemen, we've got Cahoon with, McDavid and Pugliarvi. We've got uh, Nudramoto back together. Neil McLeod Chieson. Shore, Kara, Archibald. Ennis is the extra skater. Kulikov, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, having a maintenance day. So let's just look at the forwards, boys. What do you think of those new line combos? I'm a little bit surprised, actually, because Nuge, Dreisaitl, or not, Nuge, Cahoon, and uh, Yamamoto, I thought those that trio played well together. I'm a little bit surprised yeah. to see Dave Tippett split them up. I think they just want to have they want to have them on separate lines going into the playoffs. You, so you're simple talking, as that. You're talking Connor and uh, Leon. Connor, Connor and Leon. Leon. Simple as that. 
Um, if you play Montreal, I, I want to know how many times against Montreal we've actually played with them separately because they do have a, a decently defensive team. So I think they can focus in on one line and now you split them up. Um, obviously you have, uh, you, you split up their defense, but you also have that opportunity to go back to them. If you, if, if you, if you're ever in the position to need it, what I'm more interested in is the bottom six right now. Uh, that Kara spot has been taken by McLeod with chase on a kneel from last year. I don't know, man. Like you got a lot of speed in McLeod there. I think you can use it better with, with speed around them. And, uh, I, I think the way we watched him play the last game, Ennis needs to be in there for either Neil or Shore. Well, I want to talk about Ennis after we get through this. Uh, Um, Tyler, your take on the new line combos. Rick quickly mentioned how much McDavid and Drysaddle have played together versus apart against Montreal. So far this season at five on five, Drysaddle and McDavid have played together for 18 minutes against Montreal. And McDavid's been on the ice without Drysaddle for 95. Drysaddle for 87 without McDavid. Oh, really? So they've been separate most of the time against uh, Montreal. Hmm. Which is interesting, actually. Um, yep. And well, and and we were playing Montreal. Uh, three of those games were against Montreal when they were apparently the greatest team juggernaut. to ice since you know the 1920s. So it's uh, I think that there was they were they were playing a little bit above their weight class there early I, on, especially. I agree with your point, Bag Milk, that I liked Nuge and Cahoon and Yamamoto. I thought they did some good things. They didn't score, so maybe Dave Tibbet wants to find something that can score. And I know he said in his press conference the other day that he's trying to get this team like geared up for the playoffs and all of that kind of stuff. But I I also think there's a side of him that's going, I'm going to throw some more stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Again, you just need to catch lightning in the bottle for 10, 10 game or 10 days even. And that can help you win a playoff series. Right? So I I'm okay with him mixing it up. I love the new dry side of the Yamamoto line. McDavid can clearly produce with anyone and pull Yarvey's playing some great hockey right now as well. So I don't have a big problem with it. I would have Ennis in for sure. That's the change I would make. Um, but I will say, I kind of like the look of that McLeod chase on Neil line, like the young speedy centerman playing with two more grizzled veterans who kind of play hard. I think that's a line that McLeod gives them speed and the three of them as a whole actually have some decent size. They can make life hard on the opposition. I just imagine Neil and Chase on, they're sitting on the bench there, right? And Ryan McLeod's in the middle of them. They're like, all right, kid, you go fucking, you skate your heart out. We'll catch up when we can. Get us the puck, <laughs> you know? Well, both those guys can shoot the puck, though. We've yep. seen Chase on, he can rifle that thing, man. He gets, he's got a deadly slap shot. And Neil, he's, you know, he's made a, a career of, of scoring those, those quick snipes around the net. So maybe that can work. You know, McLeod's going to do a lot of skating out there, but he's a young kid. He's got it in him. Maybe we can get Neil and Chase on those like clicker skates that speed skaters wear, you know, the ones that leave the blade on the ice, speed them up a little bit. Uh, Dan, your take on the, on the line juggling. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys about this. The McLeod, uh, McLeod centered fourth line. I like that idea for a guy. Again, like I said, he, he, he shades defensively in his game, which is understandable as a young kid. And I like that a lot when it comes to playing with two, uh, two older guys that are a little bit slower and a little bit longer in the tooth. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and again, I, I like the, I like seeing the different versatility, the the different options that they have uh, in these last four games and, and be able to, to, uh, to kind of feel out and suss out what you want to go to 
if something's not working in game two or game three, you can move to that in game three, and game four. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for this, this shuffling a little bit here towards the end. It's nice to hit the blender and not be, uh, not be hitting the blender because you're panicking, but instead you're trying to plan ahead for the playoffs. Defense. So I want to see what the defensive pairings are looking like. Well, I want to see, like, we obviously know who the top four are, but who's that last pair that get in for the playoffs. Yeah. I think it'll be Jones bear. And then I, cool I think Harbaugh. Russell gets the start just because he gets the old veteran bump. That's just I don't, I don't purely so. guess. I don't think so. Tip's shown more than once this year that he's willing to play someone over Russell if they're playing better. So I've said like when, when Jones finally got a, a, another shot there a week and a half ago or whatever, I said, you know, he's got five, 10 games to, uh, to win that spot. And with the I, Russell uh, injury, that might just force him back to the wild card is Slater Cuckoo as well. Like if he's healthy, I think we're kind of maybe some of us are forgetting how good he was early in the year. I know his play dipped off, but then he got hurt. But Slater Cuckoo is he maybe like the perfect hybrid between Jones and Russell where he doesn't move the puck as good as Jones. You know, he's not as much of like the gritty shutdown type, but maybe he's like a decent balance between the two. I would still play Jones, though. I would go Jones bear. And his name's a party, you know, (laughs) could you see, could you see Cuckoo going in before Russell then? Yeah, I think so. I think I could. The only reason I said Russell, it's I agree with you. I would play Jones, but I just think that I get he, where you're coming from with the Russell thing for the sure. Veteran bump, you know, that's it. I that's just the only reason I think that. I think Dave Tippett's a guy who well, might recognize that he doesn't need both Russell and Kulikov in the lineup because they are. After watching Kulikov some more, they are incredibly similar hockey players. They can't. The I overrated Kulikov's puck skills after his first game because he he struggles. Kulikov is interesting because he can shut things down very, very well, but he can also make you go, what the fuck is going on right now? Just as easily. It's it's been been wild to watch. Well, yeah, Greg, Gregor, uh, Gregor called it. I think he said it. Kulikov has a five-star giveaway every game. And, and sometimes more often than not, that shows up in the back of your net. Um, and I, and I think that Tyler's right, or I think it was bag milk where, you know, Russell and, and Kulikov are, are pretty interchangeable at this point. And I think the thing with Cuckoo for me is, is that playoff experience. And it's just, you know, it goes back to what bag milk said, coaches are going to err on the side of playoff experience. And so for, for Cuckoo, him, he's kind of that seventh. Cuckoo, that hasn't seventh played in, Cuckoo hasn't played in four months, man. I can't see that being a, 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 yeah. a deciding factor in playing, in playing in like game one. No, no, I'm not saying he's game one. I think he's the seventh defenseman that comes in. He's the first guy that's first lefty in the next, uh, you know, when you, when you need to slide somebody. First lefty, yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. But the thing that I think we could all agree on is no matter what that third pairing actually looks like, Evan Bouchard should be playing. But how? How? I'm just kidding. You I'm can't kidding. put I'm there's kidding. just no kidding. There's not, I would debate going 7D in the playoffs. Relax. I would go 7D. I would consider it. I'm just, uh, what I was actually going to say is not Evan Bouchard. He's just next up on my list of topics. Um, I think that we could all agree that the others have more depth on the back end than they did when they made a playoff run four years ago. Yep. And it's going to be yes. interesting to see how Dave Tippett puts those combos together. But I do want to talk about Evan Bouchard just a little bit. Uh, I got a, he scored his first goal in since March 1st. He got into a game the other day and then he got pulled right out of the lineup. I just want to give Bouchard just a little love. Let him know that we're all watching. We're all cheering for him. We all love our dad. And I like the way he sends sneaky little shots through traffic. It's a very, it's an interesting skill he's got that he can just kind of change angles and rip one through legs like he did against Vancouver and get a goal. 
Um, like I said, just a couple of minutes pumping Bouchard's tires. I wish he was in Bakersfield. I don't really understand the logic of just keeping him here with the boys just to just to hang out. I guess because you can't if you if 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 one of the righties go down, he's two weeks away. Yeah, it's not simple. Or I guess now it's only a week now. Well, but, he... but still, if one of the righties go down, he's a week away. He's but, played a bunch of hockey didn't already. Didn't he ask for this too? And uh, yeah, I don't think he wants to be down there. So they no, gave him the fine, opportunity. Great. I want to date Miranda Kerr, but that doesn't matter what I want. You <laughs> Did you tell I mean? her yet? I've been trying to slide in. I'm just working on Miranda See if you Kerr. haven't told her. If she... Boosh told them you haven't told her. That's why he's getting okay. what he wants. And, and also, what you want. I agree there would be a benefit to Miranda Kerr dating you as well. Just like there's okay. a benefit still to Evan Bouchard staying up here. Like I, the whole like he's rotting away on the taxi no, squad. I, no, no, no. What no. about paycheck? There's value. Say... There's value in him practicing against NHLers. I'm not saying that he's him. rotting away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I know you. I know you like aren't. <laughs> it's just I just wish he was getting some at bats in. You know, what I mean, like yeah. I just think that he's yes, he played a lot in Sweden and he played very well early in the year. I just like the Condors are playing really well right now. He could also be involved in an environment where he's helping a team get into the playoffs and he's a major contributor there. I agree that there's value in having him practice against NHLers, learn from the boys. I imagine that he's probably talking a lot to Jim Playfair and soaking in as much as he can. It's just not the same as playing games. That's my only point. The question is, is how good he came back. And I know he's not going to get any more ice time going forward unless maybe the last game. Um, did his performance, did Ken Holland watching that go, hmm, maybe he can be my, my power play guy next year. Maybe he can play 15, 16 minutes down the right side. I'm pretty sure Bear can handle, you know, 2021. And then we keep Larson. Did, did, does his play, did his play that night make it a little bit easier to let Barry walk in the offseason? I think Ken Holland's feelings about Evan Bouchard have already been out. Didn't he say um, two months ago or a month and a half ago around the trade deadline time that Evan Bouchard's done with the American Hockey League? Yeah, something like yeah. He said something along those lines of like, he's past that level. He's too good. So that right there tells you that next season, either Evan Bouchard's getting traded or he's playing every day. Which Which one is it? Trade would be horrible. Playing every day. So that's where I, I have that issue though, because for me, it's like, Okay, so so Ken Holland signaled at least that he doesn't believe that this is a Stanley Cup contender by not making a bunch of moves at the deadline, right? No. So yes and no, no. yes and no, no. But he if just said the, you can't go all in. Case, so oh, maybe you disagree. But if you don't go all in, then then why not give Bouchard the the reins to to make a move in this playoff run? And, and get some playoff experience so that next year you don't have to worry about necessarily saying we're going to have a rookie starting as our right-hand third defense. Because going all in, not going all in doesn't mean you don't try to win. You still ice, and like you can't force Dave Tippett to play him. Like Dave Tippett's trying to win a Stanley Cup year, so is Ken Holland. Just because he didn't give up a first-round pick for Hall or whoever doesn't mean they don't think they can win the Stanley Cup. You just need to be selective at when you're pushing all your chips into the middle, right? And I don't think you play Bouchard in the playoffs just because you go, I want to get him some at-bats. Like the playoffs aren't the time to do, do that. I agree. He should be playing more right now. They should be giving each of those righties one game off in the final three games, your Bouchard should play all of them. But I also do kind of understand that Dave Tippett's trying to win and his goal is not next year's team or developing Bouchard. His goal is winning. So I get it. I get it too. It's just, I guess 
it's annoying. We're talking about just there's what is there to play for it. Like would a night off for Adam Larson to kind of rest up? He plays fucking hard minutes, man. Would that be the worst thing? I don't no. think so. You know, probably not, but you got to ask the, again, we talked about this before is you got to ask those guys. Do those guys want to sit down? Sure. Does Adam want to sit down? Does Barry want to sit down? Where, what are their, um, uh, da, 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 their, their, um, extras on their paychecks? What, what kind what do they have to hit? Are they in, you know, are they in that territory where they're just trying to, you know, get a little extra on their paycheck? It's, there's a lot of reasons why. It's just, it's a weird, it's like, especially with Ken Holland as the GM. And I know this is an outlier year, taxi squads, blah, blah, blah. But it's just a weird, it's weird to have one of your top prospects just not playing any games at all for, for months. You know, Connor McDavid had 51 points in the span of in the time between two Evan Bouchard games. That is wild. <laughs> that is wild. That's not actually that that much because he's also got 27 points in 10 games. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Connor. He's four points away. He got three points last night. I think everybody was on the same page after the four goal start for Vancouver that, you know what? McPoint's greater than result tonight. And the <laughs> captain did not disappoint. I know we talked about this a lot. You think he hits it tomorrow? He needs four. I'm going to the game because I think he might. Like, I usually don't go watch on the weekends. I sit on my couch at home and drink beer, but I'm sitting here going, ah, like, you know, th- those players just have that little something, right? They they have the flair for the dramatic. You think about, I mean, not that I was alive for this, but when Gretzky needed the to get to 50 and 39, didn't he score five goals that game? He scored nine, nine goals in two games. He scored four yes. on the game before and five against Philly in an empty netter with, like, a second left. I just have it, a funny feeling... I have a funny feeling Connor could do it, but my prediction a week ago was that uh, McDavid will get it in the second period of the first game against Montreal. So I'm sticking with that. But again, I don't, I don't want to bet against McDavid putting up four on Saturday. Dan. Oh yeah. I mean, like I, I, I could see him getting three points on Saturday night and then just finishing it off against Montreal. Um, you know, we saw it, we saw it a little bit last night, you know, they, the power play, didn't have McDavid on it as long when they, uh, once the score was out of hand. Um, so yeah, I, I would say probably three on the weekend and then one against Montreal. And it's going to be interesting. It seems like a foregone conclusion that he's going to hit it. He needs four. He hits it four tomorrow, games. man. It's at home. He wants to do it in front of his fans. He knows your rem truck's probably going to be there. I want it that, you know, there'll probably be like six or seven people in the building. They'll be stoked if he gets it done in, at home. He wants to do it for those seven people. He'll get it done tomorrow. Um, I want made this comment today about how, uh, like, you know, there's no cheering in the press box. No one there's rooting for the Oilers or anything like that. But there's like, <laughs> when, when yeah. David scores, <laughs> it might liars. only be a liar in my case. I don't think anyone else there really cheers for the Oilers. Um but there's a buzz when McDavid scores. And when he scores a nice goal, everyone kind of like gets a little excited and is looking at each other being like, holy shit, did you see that? Did you see that? That was crazy. Like you almost in a weird way are rooting for McDavid when you're there, even if you're not allowed to technically cheer for the Oilers. I would love to know who's, I, I know that I've talked to Gregor a lot. Like I don't cheer. I'm not a fan anymore. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy Man, they get a Stanley Cup party. He's going to be covered in the in the old champagne, getting as close to that <laughs> cup as possible. Uh, all right, boys. Tyler, get your buttons ready. It is time to finish off this week's podcast with our Deuce Vodka Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. If you head over to DeuceVodka.com, 
you will now see everything you need to know about the neon flavor of Deuce Vodka. It is what Brad Stepenko has been enjoying after every dry saddle goal, a neon nation bomb. Go check out the bearded Brad on social. If you want to check those out, deucevodka.com forward slash find us. And you too can find a locator where you can get Deuce Vodka in a retailer near you. As we do every week, we start off with our veggies and the bad news from the last seven days. I'm going to start with Dan. Dan, I see you up first on my screen. Where are you at? Deuce Vodka, cold form of the week. It's done. Well, it's been a topic that pretty much everybody else has talked about. We haven't had to talk about much, which has been nice. Uh, it's the Department of Player Safety and the confusing way that they've handled the entire Tom Wilson situation uh, from from the Tom Wilson issues uh, to, to the Rangers issued statement. It's just been confusing. And then also, which is weirdly for me to say, uh, they're giving Zach McEwen a hearing for a knee that I just, I don't understand it myself. Um, so yeah, for me, it's the department. Is it the one that Zach week. Lang put in the video? That's, is that's the what one that we Zach think Lang it put is. in the video. That's what we think it is. Because that, he, gets hit with a, he gets hit with a, he gets hit with a stick in the face. Yeah, on the hit. Yeah, and then and then on the on the and chin, then he, and he comes up, and then he follows up afterwards, and, and kind of I don't like, mimes knee him. Oh, I really hope that's so, not it. I really, that's, really. That's hope where that's my that's issue is. If that's what the Department of Player Safety is looking at, to me, that's them just making busy work so that you forget that their house is on fire and they aren't putting it out. Um, that's that's annoying to me. So yeah, my cold performer of the week, the Department of Player Safety. Thanks, Deuce Vodka. Boy, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I like when Tyler forgets <laughs> that he's got to do a button and then he scrambles to do the button. Yeah, my bad. He's, like lean, my he's leaning back and I was actually life. pulling up the McEwen video again to watch it. Tyler, you're up next. Your Deuce Vodka Cold for right. the week. Our friend Tom Gazzola putting out the report that the Edmonton Oilers will wear those blue jerseys with just the orange, the two tone jerseys. Tom says they're wearing them all playoffs and I don't like it. I'm a bit of a dreamer. Really? I like to, I like to think up best case scenarios in my head. And I imagine the Edmonton Oilers winning the Stanley cup this year. And you'll have all these iconic images of Gretzky and those beautiful blues and the whites and everything like that. And then you're going to have Connor McDavid lifting the Stanley cup in those that look so far from anything that is an Oilers Jersey, put them in their more classic colors, put them in their orange for the playoffs Playoffs are the time to look your best, not the time to try sell a cheap looking third jersey. I don't like that jersey, and I do not like the fact that the Oilers are wearing it come playoff time. So that is my cold performer. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. Uh, Rick, you're next up. Deuce Vodka, cold performer of the week. We're going to take a little step outside of uh, the sports world for this one. Um, I was just flipping around and the, the other day and I saw that they're uh, this weekend. We have some out of control rocket. That's uh, going to be propelling down towards <laughs> earth. Yes. Yeah. 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 So there's this out of control rocket. That's just kind of like <laughs> way up there. Everyone's looking at right now. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's about to turn around. I think it's on its way down right now. And from what I understand, everyone's just like, uh, no, we're hopeful that it's just going to hit the ocean and yeah. just kind of like leaving it at that. So uh, I know Tyler, you probably haven't seen Armageddon. Nope. But, I uh, what is that? It's about a it, lizard, right? It is not about a lizard. It's a fantastic uh, movie. 
Um, uh, but yeah, no, we've, we've got a little bit of a history with this, so it's a little bit worryingly, but, um, yeah, so we're just, I don't know how it is. I don't care who, why it's just that there's a, this <laughs> random rocket that's about to like crash into earth. Percentages button, percentages not, button, Tyler. We don't know what's about to happen. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time <laughs> it works every time. That doesn't uh, make just- sense. Just to add on to what Rick's talking about right now, the article I read about this as well says the crash zone is anywhere south of New York to north of New Zealand. And if you've got a globe handy. Oh, we're good up here then. <laughs> that's a sizable chunk of the earth. And like what but area specifically? Like just south anywhere in the world? They don't know yet. Did they north give you an east? Zealand. Yeah, they don't know but yet. But they don't give you any east and west? They'll be. Nope. Nope. Because we're spinning, they'll baby. Able to, they'll be able to. <laughs> they'll be able to give the trajectory i think the morning of they'll know exactly like the the general area but yeah no they don't know Does anybody have now. one of those so they could have to like, because it's whipping around so they could have to like evacuate new york city because this rocket's gonna hit the ground well no they'll have enough time to shoot it down i believe well because i don't think we're getting i don't think we're getting bruce willis and ben affleck can they, there can they time, use so. a big net to catch it quickly <laughs> yes blocks the sun out this is one so, of those big baseball gloves Yep. Yep. Or we've got the bat. Somebody get it out to where we need it. You know, oh, swing. <laughs> who are we trusting to swing the bat? Vladdy <laughs> uh, oh, Jr.'s had a pretty good year. Yes. Well, what's yes. Griffey doing these days? You know, he's yeah. got that little wiggle. <laughs> Fucking this, smash is we need. this is like the so, baseball version of Space Jam. Like we need to find the player who can yeah, hit a, a rocket back in outer bat, space. So you're going to need McGuire with those forearms. Yeah. So just so I'm looking at it right now, basically it's the bottom half of the rocket that was not supposed to go up into orbit, but it mistakenly went up into orbit. And this chunk that is now spinning around the earth and coming down <laughs> is the size of a building. So the experts do say the bulk of it is expected to burn up in atmosphere. However, they're not sure how much. (laughs) How can we Uh, trust them? They accidentally put something into orbit. Exactly. You lose all credibility at some point. (laughs) Well, at least we are north of New York. Uh, You know, go ocean. Come on, ocean. I'll just wrap up the, I don't know how I'm going to top that one. I'll wrap up the cold performer (laughs) section, the Deuce Vodka cold performer. Mine is Kaylor Yamamoto may never score again. And I love him. I love the kid. I love how he works. I love how he stick checks. I love how he four checks. I love everything about his game. But right now, Gord Almighty, he's got no luck. I don't know what Connor needs to do, but I feel like we just need to park Yamo in front of the net and let Connor and Leon bank some in off him or something so he starts to get some confidence. Kaylor Yamamoto is my cold performer of the week. It hurts me to say, and I believe in him. I believe he will score tomorrow, but that is not the case for the last seven days. What the hell is going on? Well, what the hell's going on is now we're all going to be looking skyward after Rick <laughs> reminded me that there's a fucking fallen building. <laughs> uh, all right. Flipping the ledger. Positive sides. I'm starting because I'm selfish. My Deuce Vodka hot performer of the week is the 100,000 plus millennials that booked their COVID vaccines in their first day of eligibility the other day. The 142. Numbers- 142 was the last I saw. I think we are now climbing 142 plus thousand millennials evaded the internet. We did what we did and people are out getting the vaccine. So all of you that booked in that waited online, that called pharmacies that did what you had to do to get a spot. You are my hot performers of the week. Pour it on. One more time. 
Pour it on. Thank you. Tyler, you're up next. Your Deus Vodka Hot Performer of the Week. I have written down on my notes here, Hot Performer Vaccine Boys. And I am happy that all of us are taking steps towards getting our shot. Dan is, while we speak, walking into a pharmacy. Begged milk, you're good. Rick, I didn't ask you about it yet. I've had it. You've had it. it. You're good. I'm going Monday, four o'clock. I'm going to be tailgating in the parking lot. Might bring a grill, some beers, really celebrate the occasion. Shout out to everyone who's doing this and being responsible. Uh, We are so close to the end. This is a big part of it. So uh, vaccine boys, that is my hot performer of the week. I can't believe it. Dan, you're next up as you're walking. You're Deuce Vodka hot performer of the week. You're mute. Interesting. I am Dan. literally walking. I'm I'm unmuted now, but yep. you guys maybe can't hear me. Um, yeah, we got you. I'm literally walking into the pharmacy right now. I want to give a shout out to all of the AHS health workers, all the health workers around the world, to Pfizer, who's about to go into my body as we speak. Uh, again, you know, just like you guys said, it's a huge it's a huge moment for humanity. It's a huge moment for Dan. Get your vaccine. Get safe. Let's get rid of this. And also, shout out Damien as I sign off a little bit early, boys. Bye, Dan. There goes Dan. Dan is getting to a pharmacy. (laughs) He is going to get his first dose of the vaccine. Rick, you're up next with maybe uh, something a little bit more uplifting than the crashing building coming in. (laughs) I I do believe this is more uplifting. And this is going to go out to the entire Edmonton Oilers roster. And what did they do today? For our friend Yessi Pugliarvi's birthday, they stopped at the end of the practice and everybody at the center ice sang happy birthday to him. So I'm going to give it out to the entire team. And I, I think it just shows the camaraderie that, uh, that uh, we have right now. And uh, yeah, they went out of the way to make, uh, make them feel good. So yeah, we'll give it to the whole damn team. Fake order. Fake Oilers GM just tweeted the whole team showed up for Jesse Pugliarvi's surprise birthday pizza pool party, except Koskinen. <laughs> we couldn't get a hold of him. We called four times. <laughs> or Miko. He missed all four phone calls. We are on your side, Miko. All of us were on your side, but you know what? Sometimes we've got to laugh about it. It's That's one it. bad. It's one bad game, man. I do not see that going forward. Neither nope. do I. Nor do I. All of us are in your corner, Miko, but Sometimes we got to poke the bear a little bit <laughs> from Sherwood Ford, skip the dishes, cornerstone insurance, induce vodka and all of us on the podcast. Thank you for being here. This is Oilers nation radio episode 137. Please book in to get your vaccinations. If you're eligible, go get it. Tyler's ne- Dan's going right now. Tyler's up next. All four of us will at least have our first dose. So that's good news. I hope you are the same soon. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend. Please leave a review. No new podcast reviews this week, boys. So we need some new ones coming in. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.